Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, we are virtual today. Uh, there's sickness going around, and we wanted to avoid all that mishmash stuff by just doing a virtual show for you guys, because we would never skip out, even when it makes perfect sense to do so. So, uh, Nicholas, how's it going, buddy? Good. How about you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we have a we have a small little show for you guys today. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to go down the route of doing one main topic story and then a couple little B-roll stories for you guys. And then finishing up, of course, with my favorite part, the box office. And uh, with that down, I'm fine just jumping right into this. Buddy, you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Um, our main topic today comes from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Disney has been sued by film financier TSG over, quote, a chilling example of Hollywood accounting. In a lawsuit filed Tuesday, TSG says 20th Century Studios and Disney have tried to use nearly every trick in the Hollywood accounting playbook to short them hundreds of millions of dollars in connection to its investment in Avatar The Way of Water. Just a little indie movie. Yeah, you know, a small independent film. You, you might have heard of it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so essentially the reason why we wanted to bring this story up and talk about it is because... There's obviously a lot of stuff going down with uh, Hollywood, including the writer and actor strikes. And, you know, basically, um, a lot of people were wondering, you know, how's this battle going to play out? How's this going to go? Well, not only do you have actors and writers against studios right now, you have financiers after them. And that is going to hit the studios where they don't want it to, which is financing their films. And for those of you that don't know, TSG, if you ever watch, a, they do a lot with Fox and then carried over to Disney. If you watch uh, any movie and you see that production company logo where someone takes an arrow and like shoots it and it goes through all the other stuff like that, that's that's their. Oh, company. I like I like that one. Yes, that's yes. A good one. Yes, that, that, that's that's their company. And yeah. uh, they financed a lot of films for Fox and, and now Disney. And basically, uh, they're filing a lawsuit saying that through some through some creative Hollywood accounting that they are kind of tricking them out of it and not going through doing the things that they, they're basically keeping money from them when they know that they're owed it. And the Hollywood Reporter article is is great. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit from it right here. Um, According to the complaint, those auditors sampled three films and found 20th Century failed to credit TSG with revenue, charged tens of millions in distribution fees not permitted under their deal, deducted expenses not related to the pictures in their slate, and uncovered rampant self-dealing, the practice by which a studio enters into sweetheart deals with its licensed affiliates to artificially minimize the profit payments to stakeholders like TSG. So, um, not good if it's true for the studio. But what this triggered, this lawsuit, has then triggered a ton of other stories about things that are going on. Right now, another big story is the actress who plays the nun. I don't know if you saw that, but the actress who plays mm -hmm. the nun in the Conjuring franchise is suing Warner Brothers, saying that in her contract, she has um, any merchandise sold with her character or her likeness she gets a percentage of. And when she got the latest check, she was like, there's absolutely no way that that is what it is. So she's now suing Warner Brothers to get them to reveal how much in revenue is being made there. Now, that could just be a case of it's not selling as much as she hoped it would, therefore she doesn't like the number. But it's also mm -hmm. highly possible with this lawsuit going on as well that they're doing some creative Hollywood accounting and keeping that from her. And you know, going back to the TSG thing, you don't want to piss off your financers. 
you know, you, you can piss off your writers and your actors for an extended period of time because eventually you're going to make another deal and then you'll sweep this whole thing under the rug. It happens like every 10 years. So eventually it's going to go away. You piss off a financer, you could piss them off forever. Look what happened in 2021 with Legendary and Warner Brothers. After they put Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong and HBO Max, they were like, hey, no offense, but fuck you guys. We're going to go to other studios. And the only thing they have left contractually <laughs> is the Dune sequels. So it's, and now we get a rad ass Apple Godzilla show. <laughs> exactly. And uh, two Russells. That's true. I'm really excited about that, by the way. I'm gonna I'm watch very it. Excited. I'm gonna watch the shit out of it. Are you kidding? <laughs> but uh but yeah, so but yeah, um th this this whole thing is really interesting and kind of seeing that you know the studios are starting to really needing to backpedal in their practices. And yes, a lot of this has to do with COVID. But I also think a lot of it has to do with wanting them to hide their numbers and, you know, general, not even just streaming now, but just in general areas. So what are your thoughts on this? And do you think that this compounded with the strikes is hurtful? And do you think it could help all three get solved? Or do you think it's hurting one or the other? Um, I mean, it seems sort of like, from what we've seen, it's kind of an isolated incident right now in terms of like TSG specifically with Disney mm -hmm. and I feel like if it was going to sort of snowball that we would have started seeing more financiers popping up and being like well hold on a sec now maybe they're biding their time to wait and see how this all plays out and if the studios are like if Disney's willing to pay and then they're gonna be like oh hey remember this movie we did together um but I mean it's especially for Disney with the PR issues that they're having right now, especially with um, Bob Iger in the context of the actors and the writers strike, I think it's a hit that they really shouldn't be taking or can afford to take right now in the public eye. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do about that. And like you said, you don't want to piss off the financiers because they'll just go to another studio. TSG has made a ton of great films and helped finance them. And I'm sure any studio would want to work with them because mm -hmm. why wouldn't they? They've made, even Avatar made $2 billion. You know, these investments are sound. You know, Legendary's going to Apple and Apple's putting in the money because the first images from the Godzilla show looked great, like in terms of quality. No, they now, and the fact that Apple TV has been killing it with their streaming, they have the best original content right now, I think. Um, you know, so why wouldn't you risk that? I mean, Nolan, you're seeing it on the side of directors, too. Nolan went over to Universal because Warner Brothers didn't want to pay for his, um, what's it called? His list of demands for Oppenheimer. And now Universal is reaping all those benefits of that movie's insane success. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just don't piss off the wrong person. Because they can they can afford to be without you because someone else will always be waiting for it, and we've seen that before too. I mean, <laughs> James Gunn's the head of DC now. Yeah, you know it's yeah no, and it's yeah. it's funny too because like this this isn't the first time we've heard stories of like dramatic Hollywood accounting. Like um, mm -hmm. there was an interview. I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. Uh, there was an interview a few years ago with Tom Hanks where they were asking about like his films and his successful films. And the interviewer mm -hmm. said something along the lines of like, in one of the insanely successful film was Forrest Gump. And Tom Hanks like kind of offhandedly said, well, not if you ask the studio. 
And they're like, what do you mean? And he goes, he goes, yeah, no, I was owed like a lot of money on box office points and everything. And every time I try to reach out to them, they just tell me like, oh, it didn't make any money. And I'm like, okay. So like, and it's just like, it's, there's a history. Okay, Forrest, of, Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, there's a history of this, this thing kind of happening. And um, hopefully, like you said, hopefully um, other studios and financiers haven't been screwed over and we don't see an outpour of these kind type of lawsuits that would not be good for anyone. Um, I mean, look, mm -hmm. if you're in a financier and you got screwed over, absolutely, Sue. But, you know, I'm hoping that this is just an isolated incident, as you put it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because we Disney, especially the past few years, not the best PR. I mean, the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit was huge when that happened. And uh, going back to the nun story with Warner Brothers, the thing mm -hmm. that I find interesting, just quickly, the thing I find interesting about that is with the Scarlett Johansson one, which isn't a one to one comparison, but it was similar Scarlett Johansson did her entire end of the contract. She promoted it. She did everything, waited, and she reached out, waited till the very, very right moment, and then sued. And what's yeah. funny is with the SAG strike, the nun can't promote her film. So she's suing now before the film comes out. And I think that's mm -hmm. almost genius in a way of like, because I'm sure it's if uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Aaron. I want to yes. give her give her yes. credit thank you yes. bonnie aaron's plays the nun yes and um i think that had the sag not been on strike had sag not been on strike i feel like she would have promoted the film she would have done everything she was supposed to do and then oh, yeah. sued but now she's in a situation where she's like i can't promote the film so fuck it i'm suing you guys right now and it just, mm -hmm. i i think that's really funny and especially if the film does great which financially they've all done great then she's in a better position. So I, I don't know. I thought that was just interesting uh, side tangent there. Yeah, no, I mean, get paid. Get, <laughs> get paid. your money. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, well, I think we, we need to figure out how to do that. We need to figure out get, how to get, get paid. paid. Yeah. <laughs> we could look badass like the nun. Oh, true. That's true. Maybe that's one good way to get paid. I need at least nine months worth of nonstop work, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how that plays out on that level too. Of because her thing was also like a likeness, mm -hmm, yeah, as well. Correct, yeah, correct. Which also then ties back into the whole, the whole sex actor, the scanning and everything mm -hmm. like that too, which yeah. we've covered on the show as well. It's it's wild times in Hollywood right now. I'm interested to see to see how it all all is going to pan out. Yeah, it is wild times. It's very wild. And with that down, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, first B-roll story of our show. Nicholas, what you got first first on the B-roll? Yeah, um, well, it's nothing major, just a little uh, update on the WGA uh, strike. The WGA and the AMPTP meeting had a meeting uh, this past week uh, that ended with, quote, mixed results. About all we got on it. Yeah, and uh, there was actually, there's a couple different updates after that meeting. So basically, yeah. and again, this could all be bullshit because this is from trades mm -hmm. during a, a somewhat of a media blackout. So basically the story that, as we know it right now is they met up, they made some progress on some items, but when it came to streaming residuals and uh, the mini writer's room that they would not talk. They, they refused to budge on. So then the... AMPTP had a meeting where all the CEOs of all the companies of the AMPTP had a meeting together to redo their proposal and then went back and had another meeting with the writers. And then that meeting 
like the previous meeting, they did okay on some things, but when it came to those two specific things, there was no nothing to be said about it. And it seems like, we don't know this, it seems like the AI issue is going to get resolved. Apparently that issue is doing okay. It's the mm-hmm. streaming residuals and the mini writer's rooms. And here's the thing. The mini writer's rooms, in my opinion, that's the one thing that's really holding back the WGA. I understand the concept of needing a mini writer's room and having like required weeks of employment on a show. It's very important. But So is that kind of like the concept of they have the writer's room, but then they keep a few on for like on-set duties? It's that. that? It's that. It's having a minimum number of weeks of required employment, regardless of when they finish their stories. And it's... Mm -hmm. It's basically preventing showrunners doing their own show. Like James Gunn with Peacemaker, he wrote all eight, all eight episodes. Like that can't happen anymore. And that's what's upsetting the AMPTP. And this is one of the, one of the few things where I'm like, okay, I think if the writers need to really compromise on something, it's that. And maybe there's a middle ground where if a single showrunner wanted to write a whole series, they could get a waiver signed by WGA a waiver sign mm-hmm. by the AMPTP, you know, just something where it's like, okay, we're recognizing that this is a separate thing and moving on. But I really hope that they get the streaming residuals. That one's huge. But I, I have a That's feeling, big, yeah. I have a feeling that the mini, that the writer's room, the mini, the, you know, absence of mini rooms and all that is really going to be what is hurting them. But keep fighting the good fight, see what you can get. I, I would do the same. But thing. I don't, it doesn't seem like those two should be mutually exclusive. No, but you know, it, 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 those are just the only two yeah. that the studios are being really shitty about. Yeah. No. Oh no. I meant. Um. I meant the mini writers' room and an individual writing the show, mm-hmm. like a mini series right. or something. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like that shouldn't be connected. I mean, maybe there there is a connection. Obviously, I'm not a writer or part of the WGA. I, I, I don't think it just sees them deal. Yeah. No. I think the connection but, is. Um, I think the connection is when a showrunner wants to hire a certain number of writers, studios mm-hmm. are studios are then telling them, well, White Lotus and Peacemaker were only written by one person, so you don't need that many writers. Uh, and that's the, the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, that's down for our first B-roll. What you got next for us? Uh, next to us comes to us from the Thor Love and Thunder special book edition. Okay. A book came out about making of Thor Love and Thunder and there's just sort of these little breadcrumb trails about some developments of a Thor 5 in that it is quote a good chance of happening and most likely Taika Waititi would be back to return as director in that development process. Yeah so uh, this was this was mixed with um, some reactions on the internet surprise surprise a comic book movie had a topic and the internet had things to say about it. Uh, So here's what I'll say. One, just to make it clear, this is by no means a confirmation that a Thor 5 is happening and by no means a confirmation of who would be directing said movie. It was just a, hey, this could happen. And um, And if this did happen, this would also probably happen. Exactly. And uh, what I'll say about it is this. If they want to make Thor 5 and Taika Waititi is going to come back, I wouldn't hate that. I would welcome that with open arms. Did I love Thor Love and Thunder? No. But I love Thor Ragnarok. I love Jojo Rabbit. I love what we do in the shadows. I love a lot of the movies that Taika Waititi has made. And I think that um, the internet kind of turned on him very suddenly after Thor Love and Thunder. But with that being said, 
Chris Hemsworth made comments a few months ago saying that he believes the Thor character is kind of like someone that a, a new director can come in every so often and reinvent the character and that he'd be along mm -hmm. for the ride. So if they got someone else other than Taika to direct it, I also would welcome that with open arms and love it. You know, the internet is really suggesting Sam Hardgrave, who's the director of the Extraction films, and he used to be the second unit director in a lot of the MCU films before that. I would love that too. I would love anyone they want to bring because I love the oh, idea. I didn't know he was the second unit director. I think That's he was. Cool. I think he was. Oh, and mm -hmm. um, I would love a lot of any ideas to bring to the Thor character, but that includes if Taika came back, I'd like that. I would open, I would look at that optimistically as well, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's a bit unfair the internet's turned on him, but what what do you think? Um, Did I love Thor Love and Thunder? No. Did I like Thor Love and Thunder? No. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think Thor Ragnarok is probably potentially top five Marvel. Mm-hmm. Easily. I think the biggest issue is that the Marvel movies have all kind of become the same to a certain degree. I mean, I know the plots and they're always mm -hmm. relatively the same. It's a superhero movie, but in terms of this ragtag group of people that go on a space adventure and they're witty and jokey. And I know the first Guardians did that, but James Gunn sort of took that and changed those with Guardians 2 and especially with Guardians 3. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Taika Waititi doubled down on that in Thor Love and Thunder. And now if you look at things like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and like the upcoming The Marvels, they all look like fun space adventure, witty group of people banter, which is funny because uh, uh, the Marvels director, Nia DaCosta, said in an interview that she thinks that the Marvels will be different because it's fun and lighthearted and jokey. And I was like, well, what have the last Marvel projects all been? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's something to be said about that in terms of him returning and also Chris Hemsworth wanting to do something different with the character as an actor and having the director who is sort of one note with that specific humor style. Not one, I mean, I do like the note, but like I think that Love and Thunder was a little bit too extreme and I think someone needed to be there to like pull it back and narrow the focus a bit because it sort of more felt set up of like set up joke set up joke set up joke and just scenes were just bits mm -hmm. instead of having like this overarching story and I think that was kind of the detriment of it so I would like to see that and I'm not saying that Taika Waititi is not capable of taking a more serious tone or finding that balance again because he did it so well with um, the first Thor and as well with like Jojo Rabbit had yeah. that jokes and stuff yet that movie makes me cry every time I watch it same um so I think that he people kind of associate him with one thing and I think he is capable of that more as long as someone is very clear on that direction and not just giving him free reign and also he needs to be banned from using the volume because <laughs> I think that was the biggest issue with Thor Love and Thunder as well yeah yeah no 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 comment uh dude I saw something I don't know how true it is so Correct me in the comments. I've heard that the volume was used on the Fablemans. And if that's true, if that's true, great filmmakers can do anything with any tool, dude. I swear to God. Like, like just like mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg being like, oh, let me use this shit for my movie about my childhood trauma. Here, hold on. Let me look it up. I'm going to find this I bet out. It, it, it's probably during the, the Twister tornado scene. 
I could see that being volume. You're right. Hold on, let me see. It's almost like it should be used to accent the scene and not uh, be a green screen. All right, hold on. I'm pulling up an article from Frame mm -hmm. Insider. Uh, they did two days of camera tests in the stagecraft volume. Oh, yeah, and it shows them. Oh, yeah, and it shows them testing footage with the fucking hurricane scene, dude. You were right. Look at that. I don't know if it was used in the final shot, but they did shoot on it. Mm hmm crazy uh anyway sorry that was a tangent but uh but, uh with that down let's now move on to the best part of the show of course which is the box office if i ever don't say it like that i am in such emotional pain like i want you guys to know that, <laughs> that, that that's how you'll know that there's an issue with me nicholas what were our predictions from last week all right uh dalton you had blue beetle barbie Oppenheimer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and Strays. Okay. I had Blue Beetle, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Strays, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we just flipped our four and five predictions. Mm -hmm. Very cool, very cool. With it. I was right, bitch! I hey, got it. We don't get that often. We don't. We suck at this. What I will say, we usually get like the first three, and then the you next two are just random Wild. nonsense sometimes sometimes we just get the first one and then the rest are a fucking shit show but yes yeah. i will pull up the numbers for you here and again these are just the sunday estimates the Thank final you. monday numbers could prove for you to be right because there's a 0.1 million difference so that would be really funny all right so i'm pulling this from deadline because the website we normally use the numbers it hasn't quite updated yet but uh Thank hopefully you. it does soon so Coming in first was Blue Beetle, making $25.4 million in its opening weekend. It's above the initial projections of 17, but below the recent projections of 30. Mm -hmm. uh, coming in second was Barbie, making a total of $21.5 million. Coming in third was Oppenheimer, making a total of $10.6 million. Coming in fourth, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem making 8.4 million. And coming in fifth, Strays making 8.3. There's the there's the kicker. It's right there. <laughs> so uh Strays. That was much more than I thought it would be. It was. It truly, truly was. Yo, the budget of Strays was 46 million. It's not seeing that, is it? I don't know what its cinema score is, though. If it had a high one, that'll help it. Mm -hmm. Blue Beetles was a B-plus, dude. It's fucked. Hey, it's already made $25.4 more than it would have. Fucking A. So uh, diving into the numbers a little bit further here, mm -hmm. uh, Blue Beetle um, hasn't opened in any other market. So right now, that 25 total is all it's had. And um, I believe its budget was $120 million. So... It's probably going to be another money loser for DC, but we'll have to see what it has to do in the next few weeks, how much it drops. It does have a B-plus cinema score, which can hurt it. But I'll tell you this, that you brought up before the show, it's fucking $25 million more than it would have made had it gone straight to HBO Max like it was supposed to. So Now, uh, obviously, I have not, I've not seen the movie yet, um, and therefore I will have not watched the spoiler reviews that came out. Um, that you did mm -hmm. does it feel kind of 
made for TV, in a sense? Aspects, yes, and aspects, no. Okay. I don't want to get into it because mm-hmm. it have to, it's really yeah, yeah. specific stuff, but there yeah. are aspects but that some, do and aspects that don't. Some of it you're like, oh, wow, they put a budget into this. And some of it you're like, that was a TV joke. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or it's, a TV sequel. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbie's worldwide total is at one, and this might not be updated. Right now it's at one point two two billion it is any day now going to pass mario as the number one movie of the year Mm -hmm. um oppenheimer has officially crossed 700 million dollars worldwide good for nolan good for universal good for universal good for universal for getting that money listen i love oppenheimer i'd be so curious if it was so far removed from barbie and like barbenheimer never happened Mm -hmm. like how much would have like I wonder what that difference is because yeah. it's a fantastic movie. I'm not saying you can't stand on its own. Yeah. But like I wonder how much we're like, yeah, let's do the double feature. And then we were like, yeah, that was really good actually. And then like it just got very yeah. positive word of mouth. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would have been successful no matter what. But like yeah. it listen, and the thing that's great about Barbenheimer is that it was completely from the people. Like no studio could ever replicate Barbenheimer. In regards to like marketing, there's no way. And they're gonna try. (laughs) They're gonna try. They will try. They will try. And it's gonna be awful. I agree emphatically. Uh, Let's dive into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Here, Mm -hmm. its worldwide box office has now passed 118 on a budget of 70, so it's made 1.7 times that budget. That's gonna end up being profitable, probably. Good for them. That's called a sequel, baby. Yep. Uh, Strays was made on a budget of $46 million. So with the worldwide total, it's only made 10 We'll see how it holds up. Uh, that's really mm-hmm. going to be dependent on box office drops there. I haven't seen the film yet, but I've heard it's not bad. I've heard it's quite good. Um, Meg to the Trench now has $270 million worldwide. It has made 2.1 times its budget. It's almost profitable, baby. And yeah. of the 270 tell me how much of it's domestic. 70 <laughs> 66 you were close 66 jesus um well, they really did not make it for this market which no. i think is comical oh yeah oh yeah kind of like hey, every... there's there's so many books in that series that we can keep going and yes you heard that statement correctly <laughs> meg and meg to the trench are based off of books. yes yes oh Insanity. yes art that's what that's called um <laughs> Uh, let's look at Mission Impossible Seven here, because uh, it's going to end up being a <laughs> it's going to end up it's going to end up being a money loser for the studio. But it has surpassed five hundred and forty one million dollars. Uh, it's made one point nine times its budget. And if that's the situation, the co- the problem is the cost of your movie. And uh, let me see here. Last voyage of the Demeter happens with eight. Yeah, last voyage of the meter took a hell of a drop. It looks like in the seventy percentile. And uh, it's made $11 million worldwide on a budget of 45. That is sad. That's unfortunate. But another one I'm going to point out here is uh, our people over at A24 with Talk To Me. I don't know why I called them our people. They've never once talked to me in their lives. <laughs> um, <laughs> Talk To Me has now made $45 million, which means it's made 10 times its production budget back. That sequel mm-hmm. was a no-brainer. 
And I'm glad A24 is not above franchises because I think they're more than capable of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, is there any other box office things you want me to dive into? Um, Not that I think of. I think we covered everything I'd be interested in. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. That works for me. And uh, something else I want to bring up is um, Nick, did you know that our show also has an audio only version? what what yes on your podcasting app of choice you can listen to the mm-hmm. entire show audio only spotify apple podcasts i believe it's on amazon and stitcher as well i tell you what Where if we can find a podcast yes and i tell you what if you look on your podcasting app of choice and it is not there let us know in the comments reach out to us reach out to us on social media we'll get that fixed it should be on all of them uh, if you'd like to do the audio only version of our show I kind of forget to remind people of that often and uh, just wanted to uh, put that out there as well. Yes, definitely. And with that housekeeping out of the way, shall we do next week's predictions? Yes, absolutely. All right. Dalton, I went first last week. You get this week. I get to go first? Yeah. Shit. Okay. I got, I think I got it. All right. Number one, Gran Turismo. Okay. Number two, Blue Beetle. Number three, Barbie. Number four, Oppenheimer. Number five, Ninja Turtles. Ooh, all right. I think Stray's going to go, drop out, unfortunately. I'm going to go Gran Turismo. Okay. I'm going to go Barbie. Okay. I'm going to go oh, Blue Beetle. Fuck, that might be smart. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't Blue even Beetle, Oppenheimer, and I'm going to go Stray's. You're going to go Stray's, all right. We're going to go go for a wildly different box office here than you. Hey. Normally, we just switch one or two, but we'll see what happens. Hey, you love to see it. You really you like love to, to see here. it. Yes, we do. <laughs> you like to have fun here. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. I'm, I'm going to try to catch Strays this uh, sometime soon, too. I do want to watch it. Yeah. I'm hoping to get Rubidoux before Gran Turismo, but if Thursday comes, I'm going to see Gran Turismo, so I'm at least can do, like, the out-of-theater and the reviews and everything. Of course, of course. It's my plan. Yeah. But speaking of of out-of-theaters and reviews, if you have not already checked them out, in the description for the video and on our channel is Dalton's spoiler version review of Beep Blue Beetle, and his out-of-theater reaction is also there. And as always, you can find all the links to our social medias as well as those audios that Dalton mentioned in the description below as well. That is all true. That is all very true. And with that down, I believe that's all we had for the show today, sir. Yes, sir, it is. And uh, we would like to say thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. I've been Dalton Burdett. I've been Nick Eric. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye.